Isaiah chapter 12. The previous chapters in Isaiah are really quite um, a roller coaster. If you read through them, you'll find encouragements, you'll find judgments. And then you'll find perhaps that one of the most glorious visions of all in Isaiah 6. The seraphic presence with two wings, they covered their face, with twain they covered their feet and with twain they did fly. And then you'll have the great messianic prophecies, two of the clearest in chapter 7 and 9. And then we have warnings also for the nations. And then there's more judgments and then there's more encouragements. So it's ups and downs and ups and downs and we come to chapter 12. That just helps us to put it, this text into a bit of context. But if we want a more immediate context, it's helpful to just dip briefly back into chapter 11. Just to give us a little bit more, because it flows quite naturally from, um, chapter 12 flows quite naturally from that. But even if we just touched in on a couple of verses, verse 1. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And again, we know immediately there, don't we, what we're referring to there or who we are referring to there. And that is the person of Jesus Christ to come. And we move just, um, and even if we just look again very briefly at verse 2. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might and the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And then there's some encouragements about the, how the future blessings and in very descriptive language. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf with the young lion and the fat one together with the little child and the little child shall lead them. Verse 10. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse which shall stand for an ensign for the people of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. And we have a repeat of that um, a few verses later on. And we can pick up again and just read the last few verses from verse 14. And they shall fly upon the shoulders of the Philistines towards the west. They shall spoil them of the east together, and they shall lay their hand upon Edom and Moab. And the children of Ammon shall obey them. So we've, we've covered these things off in recent weeks, haven't we, here with Edom and Moab and Ammon, the enemies, the enemies of God's people. And they shall obey them. And the Lord shall utterly destroy the tongue of the Egyptian sea. And with his, with his mighty wind shall shake his hand over the river and shall smite it in the seven streams and make men go over dry shod. And there shall be an highway of the remnant of the people which shall be left from Assyria. Like as it was to Israel in the day that they came up out of the land of Egypt. And in that day shalt thou say. And that's kind of how we lead in. And there's reference there to Egypt and the delivery from Egypt. And Albert Barnes has a very helpful comment in relation to chapter 12 linking it back to the Egyptian delivery. In imitation of that deliverance, Isaiah says in this chapter that the, the deliverance 
of which he speaks shall be celebrated also with a song of praise. And this chapter, therefore, is properly an expression of the feelings of the redeemed people of God in view of his great mercy in interposing to save them. It should be read in view of the great and glorious deliverance which God has wrought for us in the redemption of his son. And with feelings of lofty gratitude that he has brought us from worse than the Egyptian bondage, the bondage of sin. So we take the example and the, the, the song that they sang from deliverance from Egypt and apply it to the deliverance from sin. In that day, our psalm, or, or this chapter opens up, which very much is, in, in essence, a psalm. It feels and reads as if it's a psalm. Certainly a song of praise. In that day. The, the immediate day was pointing to deliverance from Sennacherib and the Assyrians. But the real ultimate day is the day of the Lord and pointing towards Christ. As I mentioned briefly at the very start of the service, our text is from verse 2, where we have the Lord Jehovah is my strength, the Lord Jehovah is my song, and the Lord Jehovah is become my salvation. Three S's. Strength, song, and salvation. Immediate context is helpful here to, to put Isaiah's words into their, um, true, their, their meaning for the, for the time, to understand how Jehovah was strength at that time. As you know, throughout all of the Old Testament, there were battles and there were wars and there were confederacies and alliances and, and switching of allegiances and people were fighting to retain their land and then take other lands. And the Assyrians were one of the main aggressors, certainly under Sennacherib. But the Lord is promising to deliver them. And Isaiah is saying here in that deliverance that, that Jehovah is my strength. But when we look at it in that and I'm trying to understand what does that mean, Jehovah is my strength. It means there that he is the source of our strength. If we try and stand here in our own strength, we have nothing. We must stand in his strength. And that's a great encouragement, isn't it? To let go of ourselves, to understand that we ourselves have nothing. Nothing in my hand I bring simply to the cross I cling. When we look into um, theology and the study of God, we have to look at it in two aspects. It's firstly, we always must start with God. And then the second aspect is man as he stands before God. It's not God and man. It is man as he stands before God. So we start with God and then we move down to how does man stand before God? 
and we stand helpless, hopeless, weak, empty. And that is the first step, isn't it? Really letting go of ourselves and trusting God. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Gives us the strength to carry on on a day-to-day basis. He gives us the ability to do what we need to do on a day-to-day basis. To walk, to talk, to breathe, to speak in his name, to study the scriptures, to seek after him. So we have the very physical things that we have to do, the very practical things we have to do, but we also have the spiritual things. And we certainly cannot do anything spiritual in our own strength. It is all of God. One of the memory verses that we were looking to learn in Sunday school is in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16, Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. To be strengthened with might by his spirit. So again, it's not of ourselves that we might be strengthened by God's might and God's spirit. Don't look to ourselves, look to God. God is the source of our strength. In Philippians, we read these encouraging words, don't we? I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. We can't do all things in our own strength. We can't do anything in our own strength. But we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. But the the thing to, again, as I said just a few moments ago, we'd step back, don't we, from ourselves before God and start with God. So, how can we be sure, how can we have comfort that God is our strength. Major catastrophe happened a few, was it last week? Internet connection on the Isle of Man went down for about two days. Apparently, I was off work at the time. Apparently it caused chaos at work. Um, so um, one of those good de- times to be away from, from the office or from working. Um, it caused chaos. Power failure. The power supply didn't connect. When we have power cuts, lights go off, heating goes off, you can't do anything. I was somebody was talking to somebody in South Africa not long ago and they have official power outages to try and manage the, the system. And they said it's chaos, you can't do anything because even the traffic lights don't work. And there's little things like this which we don't think about because the power supply is disrupted. The power supply is cut off either deliberately or um, through some sort of failure or fault. We draw our strength from the one who doesn't have a failure in a supply of power. Why? Because he is all-powerful. He is omnipotent. It's like the example with Elijah when he taunted the prophets of Baal. Where's your God? Perhaps he's sleeping. Perhaps he's this. Our God doesn't sleep. 
neither does he slumber. His power supply is full. He is infinite. His power supply is infinite. We read also, don't we, in Ephesians chapter 3, a few verses on from um, the one that we looked at there. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, but we've got limited minds. He is unlimited, so he is above and beyond, even beyond our understanding. His power supply is infinite. And this is where we are with Jehovah. Even looking at the title, the Lord Jehovah, emphasis upon emphasis. Jehovah is my strength. So our strength is not just what we have, but Jehovah is our strength. We do not stand on our own merits or our own strength. We stand on his strength and in him. And again, always then, it's helpful to think of his strength. And the obvious starting point is creation. In the beginning, God created. God said, and it was so. And the world carries on. The world spins, the world turns. God controls. God delivers his people. God has a dealing and shows his strength throughout all of history. God protects and continues to provide. And these are some good examples just to think about to show God's strength. So that is our first point in Isaiah's psalm. Jehovah, the Lord Jehovah is my strength. The second point that is immediately follows is the Lord Jehovah is my song. And again, when we were learning memory verses from um, Ephesians in Sunday school, there was one of them, uh, one of Paul's um, introductions, and it appeared ten times in his letters. Very slight variations. So I said, if you learn one verse, you learn ten. This chapter here, on verse two, is repeated several times also. So if you learn Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2, you also learn Exodus chapter 15, verse 2. And this is Moses talking at the delivery um, um, over the, the uh, river of the Red Sea. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider he hath thrown into the sea. And then verse 2, the Lord... <coughs> is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. I will prepare him an habitation. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. So what Isaiah is doing is singing the same praise, the same psalm as Moses. As Moses was delivered from the Egyptians, Isaiah was delivered or the people would be delivered from Sennacherib and the Assyrians, and they would be delivered through Jesus Christ ultimately. 
But then we also have the same words in Psalm 118, which opens up with the, I'll read the first few verses of this psalm and then we'll, we'll turn to our verse in verse 14. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good because his mercy endureth forever. Let Israel now say that his mercy endureth forever. Let the house of Aaron now say that his mercy endureth forever. Let them now that fear the Lord say that his mercy endureth forever. I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. Verse 14, the Lord is my strength and song and is become my salvation. So what the psalmist was doing was quoting Moses what Isaiah was doing is quoting Moses and the psalmist who ultimately got their source from, from God. So this one song is repeated time and again. And there is a reason for that because it is a great way to praise God, to acknowledge that he is our strength and our salvation, but not to just acknowledge it, to sing it, to, to burst forth. It's been suggested that if you look at the six verses here in the, this chapter, that verses one, two and three are designed to be personal for me, for you. But then verses four to six are designed to be for us collectively together. So we have a personal challenge and a corporate challenge to sing praises to God. If you look at actually the, the, the words there in verses four, five and six, there's a lot of interesting expressions that are used. And in that day, shall you say, praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his doing among the people, make mention that his name is exalted. So we have a whole raft of them there. We have praise, praise the Lord, call, call upon his name, declare Declare his doings among the people. Make mention that his name is exalted. Variations, these aren't singing, but they are all exclamations and they're not silence. They are outpourings. Verse five, sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out, don't keep silent. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitants of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. When we think about singing then and, and songs as such, what, what really is, is a song? I, I was just thinking about this earlier on today and I, if you take it down into just sort of effectively two parts, I don't <clears throat> claim to be an expert and I don't really want to know the mechanics much more than this, but two parts really. Firstly, an expression of the heart in words. So you have the words before you. And then secondly, an expression of the heart that is vocalised. It's not necessarily a song if it's just on a piece of paper. And I can see Norman's music there and his, um, the words. It's all good and well and it's great to read sound hymns. But these hymns are, were written and designed to be sung, to be shared. So it's an expression of the heart that is in words and it is an expression of the heart that is vocalised. And you'll, so, you'll you can go through the scriptures and you can pick out a number of songs. There's 150 psalms. How many songs are in there? 
the Song of Solomon, and then you can go through some of Ecclesiastes, and in other portions there's Hannah and Moses and other songs. And we, we touched on one briefly there before, didn't we? With Mary, when she heard the great news. And the, 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 the song, or, or it, it opens up with these words, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. Now, when I was reading them, I was conscious of the fact that I was reading them. Hopefully not too monotone, but not demonstratively, expressively. Can you imagine, and again, this is, I, I we, we don't know this, but can you imagine Mary uttering those words in, in a tone similar to the one I used? She's heard these great things. Her, her, her cousin has explained Truly, you are truly blessed because you are carrying my saviour. And can you imagine Mary just dwelling on this for a few moments and then saying, my soul doth magnify the Lord. I can't imagine it comes like that. Can you? Can you imagine it sort of welling, welling up and then there's an explosion, a burst. My soul doth magnify the Lord for he has regarded the lowest state of his handmaid. And that's how it should be with us, with our singing. It shouldn't just be, Turn to the next hymn and la, 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 la. Why are we singing? What are we singing? The Lord Jehovah is my song. I carefully picked the hymns this today um, for, for the various reasons that fit into this, which is why I've, I've recited verses from those hymns throughout the course of the, the service today. The last one we'll finish with is Man of Sorrows. Lifted up was he to die. It is finished was his cry. Now in heaven, exalted high. Do you think the last line, hallelujah, what a saviour, is just a tone to carry on? No, that's a praise, isn't it? We have the suffering of this saviour and then a burst at the end. Hallelujah, what a saviour. How great thou art, the majesty of God is revealed in creation. Rock of ages, cleft for me. What a beautiful picture of protecting and caring, God, that we are kept in the cleft of a rock. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy riven side, which will be of sin, the double cure. Cleanse me. Cleanse me from its guilt and power. How can we sing these words in monotone, in monotone hearts? Let our hearts burst with praise. Let us, let us sing and exclaim, my soul doth magnify the Lord. Jehovah is my song because he has he is my strength and because he is my salvation. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why? For he shall save his people from their sins. He is a source of our salvation. As we said before with God, he is the source of our strength. He is the very essence of our strength. He is the source of our salvation. And again, that's helpful for us to remember because it takes away anything of self. He saves. It's nothing that we do. All we do is receive the gift that is given to us. Through faith in Jesus Christ. He is my salvation. He saved these people and delivered them physically. He saves us 
from our sins. And verse three, therefore, with joy shall we draw water out of the wells of salvation. So we draw water from the wells of salvation. We're saved once. But we draw from the wells of salvation on a daily basis, don't we? The joys, the blessings that God gives to us. This is a figurative um, example to remind us of the plenty that is there. There's occurring a couple of helpful examples if you turn in, if you wish to later turn to Jeremiah chapter two, you can see about the broken cisterns. My people have turned away from me and they've turned to broken cisterns when I've given them the living water, streams of flowing water. In the New Testament, the woman at Samaria, she drew water for Jesus, but I can give you living water springing forth from the wells of salvation. This is what we need, living water from the wells of salvation. Salvation is a one-time blessing that we are saved. We are justified, but we need to go forward. We need to be sanctified. We need the blessings of salvation to be reminded of our salvation. This do in remembrance of me till he come. Jesus saves, has saved us. We remember, we give thanks, we sing praises because he has saved us from our sins. Verse one, in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away and thou comfortest me. I will praise thee though thou was angry with me. That's quite an interesting um, take on things, isn't it? You were angry with me. But I'll praise you because you are mighty. Why was he angry with us? Because we sin on a daily basis. Why was he angry with us before that? Because we were sinners and in need of salvation and we had disobeyed God's law. Thou comfortest me. That is the greatest comfort of all is saving through Jesus Christ. That we are saved through Jesus Christ. He was angry. The most famous sermon, apparently, um, outside of the Bible is uh, one by Jonathan Edwards called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. He is angry with sin. But we have one who met the price, who paid the price, satisfied the anger of a righteous and just judge, a righteous and just God. Jesus Christ offered in our place and for our sins on Calvary's tree. And this is why we sing, Hallelujah, what a saviour. So as we think about these things, we sing with our whole hearts, not mindlessly, not because the music's good or because we like the tune. We sing praises to our God. So the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts should be acceptable before God. But we have plenty of reasons to be thankful, to sing praises, to sing repentance also. If you read through the Psalms, there are Psalms of repentance, there are Psalms of joy, there are Psalms of thanksgiving, there are Psalms for every occasion. In all things, sing praises to God because he has blessed us, he has saved us from our sins. If we trust in Jesus Christ alone as our saviour, we must be singing with our hearts 
to acknowledge and praise the great and mighty God, who is our strength, who is our song, and is our salvation. Amen.